We're two hours away from the kickoff of BYU football. Tight trips left. Option look. Keeper Jaron. 10, 5, touchdown Cougars! Jaron Hall scores! This is Cougar Pregame Live, brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. To get you ready for BYU football, let's join the host of Cougar Pregame Live, Ben Bagley. And good morning or afternoon, Cougar fans, depending on where you're joining us. And welcome into Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Today, the BYU Cougars are in Pullman, Washington, to face the Washington State Cougars in a game that I think both parties will be happy to play because they can put the stories and questions from the past week behind them and just play some football. My name is Ben Bagley, and joining me now from Martin Stadium is former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. Riley, I, 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 I'm curious as to a weather report up there because when I walked into the studio, our, our weather research department introduced me to a new term called a bomb cyclone that was apparently going to hit that area right around the fourth quarter, but maybe moving. So I'm curious as to what, what you're seeing there. Yeah, I think Washington State is uh, would welcome any kind of crazy weather. I feel like anytime I'm watching it, this is my first time up in Pullman, but anytime I'm watching a game being played up here, it doesn't. Uh, it always seems to be that the weather is a factor. But as of right now, we've got partly cloudy skies. It's a cool. I think it's the temperatures climbing since we've been here. It's now into the upper 40s. Uh, by the time we get to around kickoff, it's going to be in the 50s and a perfect day for football, assuming we can avoid the uh, what was it? The bomb side. Cyclone. Bomb cyclone. Never heard of it, but it sounds interesting, scary. I don't know. Just sounds fun. <laughs> hey, before the Cougars face the uh, the other Cougars, the Washington State Cougars, let's get to our game headlines. We'll start with headline number one, which is <laughs> if you've had if your head's been under a rock all week, here's let's me catch you up. Nick Rolovich chose not to conform with the state of Washington's COVID nineteen vaccine mandate. On Monday, after failure to receive a religious exemption or prove the ability to do his job without the risk of exposing others, a decision was made to not only fire Coach Rolovich, but four members of his coaching staff, including defensive tackle coach uh, Ricky Logo, cornerbacks coach John Richardson, co-offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Craig Stutzman, and O-line coach and former BYU assistant Mark Weber. So, Riley, what kind of an impact is losing half of your coaching staff the week of a game going to have on the game day? Well, I think it'll have a mixed impact in that there's no way that logistically, at least that I can see, that you can make up uh, the difference from having lost that significantly large portion of your coaching staff. Just from a continuity standpoint and from an organizational standpoint. I don't see that any way that that doesn't have an effect. Now, the question remains, how how has this team received this news? Are they more inspired to play? Are they more coordinated? Are they more galvanized to play for each other's just players given that the coaching staff is in such upheaval? And does that inspiration effect outweigh whatever you know operational uh, disadvantages that they find themselves in this week? That, that question will be probably primary uh, to be answered here on the field today. Well, I have a theory about how this might play out. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later, but it's kind of an interesting effect. They did bring in two coaches 
midweek to kind of help fill in the holes, but still, that's bringing two coaches halfway through a game week. I'm not sure that's going to make much of a difference. Both of whom were not coaching prior, right? They didn't bring that. It's not like they brought them in from other schools. They brought these coaches essentially out of retirement, or they were not currently. Yeah, they had familiarity with the uh, the the Nick Rolovich offense. They were, I think, they were last coaching in Canada, so. Uh, next next headline we got, Riley, is who's healthy for BYU? Jaron Hall, another week, hopefully healthier. Will he run more? Joe Tukwafu back on the offensive line. Harris Lachance, uh, coach didn't sound as optimistic with him, but the, the defensive line continues to be a patchwork unit with injury. Who is healthy, and how big of an effect is that going to have on BYU today? A tremendous effect. I think because this team has depth, they've been able to kind of weather the initial impact of injuries so far this season but they still take their toll injuries still take their toll and even though you've got quality players coming in and replacing it's it's not the same your continuity isn't there your consistency isn't there and you're still just dealing with unknowns from week to week which as you get into the meat of the season which we are it's not only the meat of the season but the meat of the schedule against you know good team Baylor Washington State and Virginia next week I mean that is the meatiest part of this schedule and it happens to be right in the middle where BYU has questions from week to week about injuries so uh, the the offensive line, having Jotu Guafu is back is great. You know, a lot of people, I, I'm going to talk about this later in the QB read segment, but BYU going into last week had five sacks, and there were five sacks last week against Baylor, and also an inability to kind of establish the run. So the, the offensive line has been dealing with a bunch of injury issues that have kind of gone under, uh, you know, under the radar. People haven't really uh, pointed on those, but you saw it last week this was a team that was able to protect their quarterback and establish a run and last week due to injuries and other contributing factors we're not able to do that you mentioned the patchwork on the defensive line that's another question that BYU needs to answer here today having given up over 300 yards last week on the road against Baylor now Washington State isn't as heavily committed to the run team as to Jeff Grimes offense that they saw last week but they are they will be balanced and and this run and shoot one of the core tenets of this run and shoot is take what the defense gives you so if that BYU defensive line is giving rush yards for the taking these Washington State Cougars will definitely be taking those well the interesting thing is and you'll hear some of this coming up in Cougar cuts but I've uh, in in my time knowing Kalani Sataki both here at BYU and beforehand covering a little bit of the University of Utah and other places I've, I, I've rarely, you rarely hear him as passionate and as forward as you heard him today or this week in press conferences and calling out his offensive and defensive lines and the need for them to be more physical coming into this game today. Yeah, that is the, I, I don't care if you're running run and shoot, if you're an empty all game, I, you need to play physically no matter what game plan or style or scheme you bring into the game. It needs to be built upon a foundation of physicality, and that starts up front. Well, they out the first three Pac-12 teams on their schedule. They haven't been able to out-physical Boise State or Baylor, leading to a two-game losing streak. And now they look to go 4-0, and get back on the winning side of it, and win today it, it, on the Palouse at Washington State. will give BYU a 4-0 record versus the Pac-12. Actually, is BYU playing for a de facto Pac-12 championship? So... <laughs> This is a call out to Cougar Nation. Let's find out where game day was last week. So th- this morning on game day, it, obviously they were in UCLA, so it was a short drive for the San Diego State fan. 
But uh, so game day was in L.A. and they had a sign and it showed San Diego State atop the Pac-12 standings. But they were only two and zero versus the Pac-12, although albeit they were six and zero overall. BYU obviously three and zero has a chance today to go four and zero. Especially you know it, it kind of plays into the rivalry with Utah, but just the overall rivalry of to where you know there's it would seem that BYU would make a more natural fit for the Pac-12 than the Big 12. But now that BYU has made you know the, the and it is definitely the best situation for BYU, but to align themselves with the Big 12, there's even more inherent uh, competition. So anytime you can show your relative dominance to a, a competing conference is a good thing. I think the most shocking thing you brought up the, thus far this morning, Riley, is a San Di- there was a San Diego State football fan. I didn't know those existed. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially up at 6.30 a.m. in L.A., right? And most of those San Diego, they're not known for their hardiness, but there's one out there. Good job by him. Hey, coming up next, we'll, we're joined by the Crimson Cougars play-by-play voice, Matt Chasnow. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's time to get to know the foe. We're joined by someone who should feel pretty comfortable on a Cougar pregame show. That's Matt Channel, Chasnow, the play-by-play voice of the Washington State Cougars. Matt, got a chance to talk to you yesterday. Good to talk to you again today. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you. It's great to have you guys here on the Palouse. This is a really fun game. Good. An interesting game. I started at the top of the show that uh, kickoff today. I think the, both teams at this point are ready just to play some football and put all the stories and questions from the last week behind them and play the game that they love to do. But that being said, with everything that's happened surrounding the Nick Rolovich situation, the changeover, the questions at Washington State, what's the mindset of this team right now coming into this game? I think more than normal, the football becomes the sanctuary and their opportunity to move on. Like part of the buildup of the week of the game is what college football is. And to some degree, that's what makes it great and makes it fun. There probably is a point where it's more than you want. And in in this case, it's inescapable. I mean, it's just such a unique situation. It's so impactful. It's so disruptive. And now they get a chance to try to collect. And and you've got new coaches they're going to talk to, new guys up in the booth. So... I think it, this game, for what scheme will be, what where players will go, really early, we'll know in the first quarter, who was responsible for what schematically on offense, because Brian Smith is still here, and what remains, and, and what's the impact of these uh, these outside sources who are now you know behind the curtain here on the Palouse. Matt, the leadership at the coaching, obviously, at the coaching level, obviously, has been changed over a little bit, but give our listeners a sense for the leadership on the field obviously Delar led that great uh fourth quarter you know performance to to get the win last week against Stanford and he seems over the last couple of seasons seems to have been a leader at least on the field but as far as uh leadership offensive defensive side of the ball or in the locker room who will the you know Cougar players be looking to so it's a it's a really interesting year if there ever was a year to do this where you're going to look to players to lead well COVID gives you super seniors, gives you these these even extra senior seniors, right? Of so which Washington State has 47, is that right? A, bond, a lot of returners are yeah. back, like a lot of guys. I don't think they're 47 super seniors, but, oh, there, yeah. but there are 
60-year guys here, right? So yeah. there are some players here who have played so much college football, right? They could run the drills themselves. I mean, they could do practice all week themselves. So let's start at the tackles, right? Abe Lucas is a pro. The scouts are here for, you know, he might be a first-round pick on the right side. Liam Ryan on the left side. You're talking about guys who have started every game since 2018. Okay, so those are the anchors on the line, right? Jihad Woods is fifth all-time kook tackles at the linebacker spot, right? He's been here since making plays since 2017. B- big plays. So th- those are probably the, the go-to guys on defense, but also defense or, or in general offense and defense, but also George Hicks at safety. He's played 40 games. Daniel Isom's been here. He's played a lot of ball the last few years. There are guys like Armani Marsh didn't play a ton they started out as walk-ons they've been prominent starters for two three years now there's a lot of that on this team next year the roster really turns over right post covid and but max borgie's been here forever you know he's been running the ball for a really long time this is not a young team that's part of why the cougs the washington state cougs were supposed to bowl this year or could bowl and and still could i mean the, the teams practiced pretty well this week in spite of all this stuff well, the nice thing is, is you mentioned the the, the experience uh, on this Washington State team. They're coming into this game on a three-game win streak. So, in some way, that momentum of, of what they've accomplished already this season, uh, after after a rush start, uh, a rough start, seems to, seems maybe helpful going forward with this uh, little shift in the coaching staff. There's no doubt. There's momentum. I mean, that's part of what made this so strange. Right. The, the reason and the context for all this is very specifically the vaccination issue, right? It's not a field performance issue. They won three straight pack games, one of them on the road, and it's not easy to win in Berkeley. And, and Cal has struggled at times, but they're not, they're not that bad. You know, they, they played pretty well last week. So, yeah, they're good. I mean, that's, they've had the validation of the wins in the field. They're four and three. They're two wins from bowl eligibility. That's top of mind. This game is really impactful for that. Right, it's a home game. It's the last Saturday home game. This, this in college football, when you're in the muddy middle, right, the muddy middle of teams trying to get to six wins, trying to get to eight wins, to get to jockeying for bowl position. It's about home games. You win your home games. You, you steal those on the road that you can. And and this is one of those games. You're, you're exactly right. There's momentum on the field right now for the the, the Wazoo Cougs. Obviously, Washington State's been known for its offense with uh, obviously with Leach preceding Rolovich and BYU fans are familiar with Rolovich having faced his Hawaii team in the Hawaii Bowl two seasons ago uh, but what can we expect what can BYU expect from Washington State defensively whereas last week they were able to get some big plays through the air but really struggled getting any kind of rhythm or run game going uh, against a very stout Baylor defense what's the challenge facing them here today at Washington State I think you're going to see some real estate given up right around the really from 30 to 30 okay so when you watch the field they'll concede some ground but they really ball hawk they're going to try to force turnovers they're going to try to sell out for some picks maybe they're going to try to strip the ball you know everybody tries to do that but Cougs have been better at it than normal Jake Dickert when he first got here he said that's his goal and it's impressive how much that has happened you know when the coach says hey this is what we want to do and then they they don't do that, and they, you know, right. they kind of circle around, and they, they do something different. Well, maybe it's not really working. That's exactly what he's done. So if you look at the pack stats, you look at the league stats, the Cougs have given up a bunch of yards, right? 300 rush yards to Oregon State, still won the game because they forced a couple of key fumbles. Stanford, same deal. You know, they won that game because of, because of turnovers. And so the turnover margin's really been it. At BYU, actually, the numbers are somewhat similar, right? If you look at 
what it seems like maybe the goal is there, it might not be so dissimilar. Let me, let me ask you this, Matt. As you, as you look at this team, BYU's coming into this game on a two-game losing streak. Both games with the coaching staffs have po- uh, pointed out coming into this game that the BYU saw themselves on the front lines on both sides of the ball out-physicaled against Boise State and Baylor, something that they weren't that wasn't happening to them in the first three games of the season, the first five games of the season, actually. When, when it comes to Washington State, do they have the hosses up front to, to cause BYU the same troubles that they saw in, at Baylor last weekend against Boise State? The answer to that is they should. The O-line has been, uh, it, you'd have thought it was a strength of the team and they've struggled at times this year. So I mentioned the two tackles that, one of whom is a lock as a pro and, and Liam is all pack, Liam Ryan. They're experienced at center and Brian Green. They've got guards who have played well, really well at times, but they lead the pack in sacks allowed. And that's a huge issue. You know, this, th- th- that's not supposed to be the case this year. And frankly, the Cougs have struggled to run between the tackles. That has not gone well. Max Borgie's having a good year. He's not having the kind of year that would put him preseason 16th for Heisman, right? That's where he was to start the year. So he's been good, could be great. And, and so on the offensive side, that's a huge question mark. New offensive line coach this game. I don't know how much work you can do in three days with guys, but Dennis McKnight played 10 years in the NFL, and we'll see what kind of immediate impact he has. Defensively, the ends have been elite. So R.J. Stone's all pack. He's one of the league leaders in tackles for loss. Brennan Jackson's been at times great, like game-changing dominant end sometimes. In the middle, they rotate a whole group of like six guys who are going to come in and out. And they're big and and they're pretty effective in terms of filling the gap. But um, you don't have that like Vita Vea type you know defensive lineman in, in the middle there. They've done a good job, but um, I'm not sure you're going to have the same kind of interior impact that you're referencing. So I don't know if you were able to actually get a sense from the coaching staff as to as far as game plans or threats or otherwise with all the other storylines going on. But if you did, what what one thing does Washington State look to limit, uh, or or better said, what threat does Washington State feel that BYU poses? Uh, against them in this game what Nakua did last game is a huge issue right I mean when you've got a guy who can take the top off like that the deep ball the the big play Washington State's avoided that pretty well so the first play Stanford scored on was a 45 yard tight end touchdown and that was it that that was the only big play of the game really for Stanford that has been a, a strength for Washington State is avoiding giving up that big play and I think that's partly how Jake Dickert sets it up right he'll give you some five eight yard clips in between the 30s and not the 40 yard situation and and Stanford popped one and and they shored that up so the fact that he's that good at that maybe kind of broke out last game right that Pukunuku is that good and I'd heard really good things from when he was in Seattle you know hey this guy's coming he's one of the next guys could be and that was when they had Pettis and John Ross he's in that mold he's really big and, and, you know, I, I love – when I was watching film, I, I think your tight end play is fantastic. You know, Rex is a really, really big target. And the Cougs have done well against tight ends, shy of that that big play that Stanford had. So I think the big play. I think they're going to try to concede some things to, to avoid that happening. Let's get, let's get you out on this one, and we'll talk about the BYU defense. Uh, coming into this game, who should they be more aware of? Is it, or what should they be more aware of? Is it the pass game? With Jaden Delora, plus, I mean, we haven't mentioned the receivers, Calvin Johnson Jr. and Tra- Travell Harris, who are three and four in the Pac 12 in receptions and reception yards. Or is it Max Borgie, who's, been, you mentioned, been there for a long time running the ball and, and chewing up yards? Well, let's, let's answer that a little holistically. You know, those three guys you mentioned, right? 
Harris and Jackson Jr. and then Borgie are all pack level players, right? They're going to flirt with playing on Sundays. Okay, Travell Harris is Washington State's best kick returner in, in history. Okay, most attempts, most yards. But they're all doing it on the hashes, right? So when you get outside the tackles there, that's where the damage has been done. So I, those, are the, those are the leaders in terms of production. You're going to see a really good player in Dijon Stribling, true freshman, big target, athletic. He's played well. But the damage has been done when they get either toward the numbers or on the hashes there. And, and that's where Harris and Jackson line up. And that's where Borgie's done a lot of his damage. And they're really good at that, you know, get, getting outside the tackles and finding some room. Matt, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Have a great call, and hopefully we've got a great game on, on deck today. Love it. Thanks, guys. Great to see you. Great to have you guys here. The rain's held off. It's a beautiful day. This game's great. Like, this, the BYU brand, what you guys are, how good you've been, you know, that you're here. It's kind of regional. This, this is a really, really fun game. More regional because Utah's in the pack, and we know your rivalry with Utah. And so I love this game. I love that you guys are here for the first time. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Hey, coming up next, it's Cougar Cuts. Kalani Satake, he's looking for one thing. One thing from the defense today. You'll hear what it is next. You're listening to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mount, um, Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. It's time for Cougar Cuts, or should I say Kalani Cuts this week. Not being able to stop the run is frustrating, but the bottom line is that BYU has to get stronger and more physical on both sides of the line, according to Kalani Satake. We couldn't stop it on defense, and that really bugs me. So we've got to figure out a way to do it. And I'm more disappointed and frustrated with the fundamentals of the game and, and the technique I am rather than the, the, the scheme or anything. I mean, we had 11 guys out there playing, but I don't think we tackled well enough. I don't think we got off blocks. And I don't think we're physical enough. So defensively, you need to be more physical. And that's surprising to hear. But we also need to get some guys back and some leadership to take, take ownership of, of the defensive front. We played a lot more physical in other games. And so it'd be nice to get some guys back and, and back to normal form, which means that they bring that physical mindset to the line of scrimmage. We need that on offense, and we obviously need it on defensive line as well. I mean, the offense and defensive line. That's something that I'm, I want to own as a, co as a coach. I, I want to have our presence felt. Our identity is that O-line, D-line needs to show up for us to have a chance. Kalani Sataki in about 51 seconds there drops the word physical multiple times and talks about having a presence felt on the defensive line, right? That's been a struggle the last two weeks as BYU's been gashed in the run game. It is on the defensive line, but it's also been felt uh, at the second and third levels. He mentioned tackling. To me, that's one of the biggest things. I mean, yes, they they got to do a better job of not getting pushed around, but it's not like they didn't have opportunities to, to tackle the guy within, you know, within two yards of line of scrimmage, either behind or before. You, you've got that four-yard kind of barrier in the line of scrimmage, and they were missing those. The last two weeks they've missed those tackles. Uh, I think it's not a, not a general lack of intensity, but there has to be a certain amount of intensity at the point of contact 
when making a tackle in big-time college football, and that maybe slipped a little bit, but uh, they probably heard it so many times they're sick of it and want uh, the coaches to stop talking about it. <laughs> and the, the, best way to, the best way to do that is come out and uh, don't give them anything to talk about in Monday's film session. Well, I know Kalani talked about it a lot this week, demanding and even threatening his defensive line to show up and get things done. You talk about tackling, and you, you talk about the fundamentals of tackling and, and I, having – Having been lucky enough in my life, in my job, multiple times to talk to the great Chris Spellman, I, I, every time I talk about t- tackling, I just hear one step wrap, two step squeeze. That, that's the Chris Spellman philosophy of tackling, and he, he hates when people aren't doing that. One step wrap, two step squeeze. Take the guy to the ground. Yeah, and it has to. It's it. While that formula is great, it has to be built on the foundation of that you are in, intensely bringing that person down. If you're going through the motions and you, you get against a good back like they faced last week or Porgy this week, who you're going to see the dude's built like a, you know, he's built like a Hummer, like he's super low to the ground, really thick between his belly button and his knees. Um, if if you just go through that going through the motions and you don't bring it, you don't bring that that intensity to it, he's going to run right through you. So you got to follow the you got to follow the procedure of it, but it, the procedure also has to be backed up by an attitude. Well, we're talking about the defensive line and Kalani's desire to have them step up and stop the run. He needs the offense to get back to being much more balanced and running the ball as well. I don't know if we took advantage of full advantage of all the big plays that we had in, in, in the passing game, but I, I know that um, we're a much better team if we can run the ball and throw the ball, you know, and, and uh, they had that advantage. We didn't. Whatever it is, got to figure it out. Whether it's the, the run scheme or the personnel. I mean, we're Obviously, down a couple guys, but I don't like using the excuse of injury. We feel like we're a deep team, um, but we got to run the ball better. And, and I, I think we have a good stable of running backs to, to run the ball. So we're going to need, need them to step up. We need the O-line to step up. We need everyone to step up and make plays. And uh, It's not one side. It's all three phases can improve. And, and I think the ones that get most of their attention is the offense and defense. And those two phases need to improve. And we need to see it now. I need to see it now. And it needs to happen today. Really frustrated that that the performance. Uh, I mean, Baylor might have been a better team and might have won the game, but it should not have looked like that to me up front. And that's where it's got to change. That that was a soundbite earlier this week. Just caught my attention when Kalani Sataki says, I need to see it now, and it starts today. It needs to change on the offensive and defensive lines. Riley, you heard the frustrations. You don't hear that, hear that type of frustration from Kalani Sataki often. I liked what he said there at the end when he said, yeah, maybe they were the better team that day, but it should not have looked like that. That goes back into what we were talking about, passing, or it also applies to running the ball. Or Sorry, tackling, it also applies to running the ball. Like, the tackling, it, guys, you want them to, if they break your tackle, so be it, but you don't want to miss the tackle because it doesn't look right, right? The intensity and the ferocity with which you're, you know, you're playing the game isn't there. The offense, we do need to get back to running the ball. Puka was able to, you know, we saw the fly sweep kind of emerge after you didn't see it much against Boise. It was such a core tenant. It was run so much. And obviously, you know, between Grimes and Roderick, there's a little bit different feel, a little bit different balance. But we haven't seen a lot of that fly sweep. We also haven't seen any, you call it, you know, you call them passing run plays, right? You haven't seen any kind of easy completion, screens, stick routes, hitches, slants. There hasn't been a lot of that in the offense to take a lot of pressure. It's kind of been line up and run Tyler Algier in the last two weeks. Teams have been able to scheme and, and key on that. you got to take some of the pressure off that in obvious running situations by, you know, either going laterally with the, 
with the um, fly sweep, which is a core tenant of this offense, and also going all the way back to the Lavelle Edwards days of the West Coast offense, which you know are these timing short intermediate routes, which were designed by Bill Walsh and all the greats and Lavelle and Andy Reid and all these guys who came up with this. They were designed specifically to be able to do two things. One, take pressure off the run game, and the other thing is put you in uh, advantageous later down scenarios, you know, in third and fourth down. So uh, that w- Roderick knows this. Kalani knows this. Obviously, Kalani's speaking it. Uh, you can bet that whatever he's speaking publicly, he, he's probably speaking two to three times more with more detail and intensity internally. So I'm excited to see what uh, what the end product is here today. Light and fires. That's what Kalani's doing this week. Well, not widely used, BYU does have a history facing the run-and-shoot offense. However, Kalani says this version against Washington State, this type of run-and-shoot offense has evolved. The reason why it's not your typical run-and-shoot is because the run-and-shoot has um, evolved. So they've added a lot more to their scheme, a lot of different plays to their to their call sheet. That's what Rolo does. He, he's always advancing. And we've, we've played against Rolo enough where you just can't – it's not always the same. You know, some teams run the same offense regardless of the personnel. And I think uh, Rolo and his staff, they do a great job at, at utilizing the right people and getting the ball um, to the right players, to the playmakers. And they happen to have a bunch of them. And that's why they go spread they're all mostly four wide outs right now and, and I, I really think their the running back is probably underrated he, I've seen him throughout the years and plays that he makes and they have a good a good crew there so with their running backs and I think their old line's big physical it's hard to penetrate that old line as far as getting pass rush and their timing the run and shoots there's a timing scheme the timing it's hard to get get to the quarterback and when we faced Hawaii we faced them a few times it's hard to, to get there regardless of how many you bring and that's a lot what the run shoots all about but to have quarterbacks know where, to, where the ball goes that quickly and to recognize uh, coverage and pressures uh, that that's something special and, and that's something that that's right up Delar's uh, capabilities and the one the one key to stopping a run and shoot offense client talked about timing and being able to get to the quarterback it's less about timing getting to the quarterback it's more about disrupting the timing of the offense which the run and shoot is based off of yeah not letting and making them one-dimensional in in that. I know it sounds strange to funnel them into what their proposed strength is, but Kalani mentioned Porgy, their running back. He's now Toby Gerhardt for Stanford a decade ago was a Doak Walker Award winner, and, and Porgy isn't to that level, but he reminds me he's a very similar runner in that he can get the hard yards if he needs to, but also if you give him the space, he can take chunks away from you. So uh, it's a definite challenge facing this BYU defense today and I'm excited to see how they come out of it after having what feels to me to be an extra level of urgency. Coming up in just a moment we'll hear from Puka Nakua but before we go to break let's pause 10 seconds for station identification along the new skin BYU Sports Network. BYU Radio 107.9 FM KUMT Randolph KBYU FM HD2 Provo and Sirius XM Channel 143. Up next, Puka Nakua joins Jason Shepard and Shep Talk. More Cougar pregame live after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. You're tuned to Cougar pregame live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Cougar pregame live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. 
Despite missing the first game of the year, Puka Nakua has established himself as a major weapon for the BYU offense. Nakua is coming off a career day last week at Baylor and joined Jason Shepard this week for this week's Shep Talk. Until two weeks ago, you guys had not had to deal with much adversity in terms of losing games. How was the team handling losing back-to-back games right now? I think up until the Boise State game, uh, there we hadn't been trailing in any of the games so far so it was definitely a a switch in kind of the momentum of how each game goes and how we kind of come out and the energy that we normally bring to the games and I think that's kind of been a big thing is that I feel like I've noticed is just our energy that hasn't been rising when we needed to rise at the beginning of the games have been kind of slow even though I thought the boys game we started fast and then even in the Baylor game just the the lack of energy that is needed for that to sustain all four quarters I just think we haven't had that that's some that I think the team we're realizing it 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 sucks to have to have two losses in order for us to realize it but it's definitely something that is everybody's realizing now so that's a good thing you're coming off an absolutely brilliant game at Baylor but I know sometimes it's hard to talk about individual performances when the team doesn't win I do want to ask about your career day what did that mean to you because honestly Puka they had no answer for you um it was fun uh I've kind of me and Jaron have been kind of waiting for the long ball connection all year so it was fun uh to finally come down with those, I pride myself and be able to go make those one-on-one plays. And those are the opportunities that the Baylor gave me. And it was super fun. Obviously, I mean, I had my first touchdown as a Cougar in that game. So that was, uh, that'll be one I remember. That's for sure. Uh, luckily I got to do it right in front of where all the Cougar fans are at. So <laughs> it was, it was a fun one, but obviously there's a lot of room for improvement and hopefully we can build on that and continue to make plays because all the receivers in that, in that game, everybody was able to make some plays and we need to keep building and keep going forward. So I'm excited. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and they actually even brought this up on the television broadcast, after every play, and most of them, as you just alluded to, were really big plays and down the field, you kept smacking your helmet afterwards. And even on the TV broadcast, they kept saying, normally that means a guy wants to come out. He says, that's not the case in this situation. Maybe it's happened in other games, but I don't remember it to that degree. Is that, is that something you usually do? Uh, yeah, it definitely is uh, uh, something that I give my give myself a couple head slaps and make sure I got the juice flowing with me still. But uh, it's it's a, a thing I've seen in basketball more recently. Kind of like when you get dunked on, they tap the top of the head like on your head and stuff like that. So it's just just a one on one matchup. Just but it's more just to make sure I keep I keep going. Like all right, locked in. Let, let's get ready to go. Like the juices are flowing. You got to keep it going. <laughs> well, you certainly were locked in to say the very least, and. Both you and Samson began the season trying to get back to full strength, and you have obviously gotten better every week. I'm assuming a lot of that has to do with the fact that every week you're getting healthier and healthier. How much of a factor has that been in terms of your production increasing week after week? Definitely. Uh, making sure my legs feel good, uh, our strength and uh, our training staff here, I, I appreciate all of them. They, they help me make sure I'm ready to go, and they make sure that – everybody on the team the way we do our things and the way we operate here is to make sure that everybody's ready and feels good on to play football on Saturday because that's the most important thing obviously you want to lift strong and stay heavy and do all the things necessary but Saturday is the most important day obviously for us so uh, as each week has gone on I feel better and 
the home games, I always feel good. I got to put on for the, the home crowd. So that always helps me. Even if my legs aren't feeling too good, I always get an extra boost from the crowd. That's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of Samson, he was uh, my pregame interview prior to the South Florida game. And I asked him this same question. So I'll ask you this. I know that, uh, that you guys had talked about it a lot. The three of us talked about it on media day. Just the fact that you're coming here to be around family and be able to play close to home. And I asked him, if it's lived up to what you had hoped it would be, I'll ask you the same thing. Has, has playing here at BYU and being close to family been everything you'd hoped it would be? It's, it's been that and more. It's been so crazy. My, uh, it's been such a blessing to be able to come back home and just the environment that we've been able to come into with all the different relationships of people that I've known that I grew up around and then building all the new relationships. I mean, you come into a, uh, a new football program and there's 125 guys that I, I was getting ready to call my brothers that we're getting to go to we've, we've been going to war with each other together against other people so it's been a huge blessing it's been so crazy like every time we go out to stores just seeing people that wear the BYU stuff and I I, I take pride in that now like that's a brotherhood and uh, a friendship that we hold and I, it's and to do it with my brother has been has been absolutely awesome and to be here with my mom and obviously with all my all my family that's out here it's just it's been it's been amazing this is certainly turning out to be a season of games against rivals for you BYU's faced three games this year against teams it considers rivals and now you as a former Washington Husky get to face an old rival in Washington State this week for those that may not necessarily know a whole lot about that rivalry what's that rivalry like and how does it compare or does it compare to BYU-Utah? Um, it's pretty crazy. I think it's, it's definitely got to be close up to there. Um, I know the Washington fans, I think um, when I was there in 2019, I think it had been almost 12 years plus of us not losing to the Cougs. So <laughs> it's so funny now I'm out here saying go Cougs. And if I were to say that now, they, <laughs> they would trip. <laughs> but it's funny because, I mean, just like here, we don't see any red. Uh, that was the one thing. Our, everything from our Powerade bottles to lifting, anything that was red in the facility was covered up. Uh, and we, we were making sure we were rocking with our purple over there. And that's how we did it over here. We make sure we rock with our blue. So I'm going to be excited. It's going to be a fun one. And uh, Washington State's been playing good. So they're going to require our best just as every game does. But I'm excited for us. That's for sure. Well, I know you you know some guys on that team. What do you know about the defense specifically? As you mentioned, you know, they've been playing well, coming off a nice win over Stanford. Defensively, what do you see with the the Cougars and Crimson? Yeah, um, they're, they're a skilled group. Uh, they're, I think I haven't seen too much of them, but from what I've seen in the games that they've played, uh, they're a confident group. They've grown each game as just as kind of each team is getting ready, kind of hitting that midseason form already. So as they've won these last couple of games, I've seen their confidence grow and kind of in each player, for, especially in their corner play. So I'm excited. They're going to uh, they're going to present a good challenge, but we're ready for that's for sure. Look, the rest of the schedule is mostly road games. I've got to assume you guys are looking forward to get back out on the road and, and trying to trying to right the ship a little bit on the road. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that was uh, another thing I, I mentioned in uh, an interview before, but how much of a blessing it is that the BYU brand is is worldwide that out there in Waco, Texas, we had a BYU chant right before the kickoff. And I don't know how many other fan bases or other college football players get to say that when they're going out on the road and Waco, Texas, or, or we're in the middle of Provo, Utah. So uh, it was, it's a blessing. And I know we're going to have, we should have some Cougar fans out there, obviously wearing blue this time, but uh, I know it's just, it's a huge blessing and to make sure we play good in front of all of our, our hometown. And then obviously the fans that come out and travel to watch us play. All right, Puka, let's wrap things up with the final four. This week, you guys are going to be in the all-white. 
with the navy trim. Uh, the question is, what's your favorite BYU uniform combination? I think our Utah game, I was definitely my favorite BYU combo. The white top with the blue and the blue, I think okay. it looks. We do it with the gray, the gray face mask, so I, I really like that a lot. Okay. The song, group, or artist that you're embarrassed to admit that you like? <laughs> I don't know, embarrassed. Uh, I guess kind of. I'd probably say ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> I get some of those songs from my dad that go on my play on my pregame playlist. Get the headbangers in there. <laughs> oh, there you go. Look, there's nothing wrong with ACDC. You do not need to be embarrassed about that at all. <laughs> all right. Your favorite athlete, past or present, is who? Definitely LeBron James. All right, last question. The best thing about being a part of BYU football is what? Kind of going into what I mentioned before, I'd say Washington, we had some great fans. They packed the house. Like that's a, it's one of the best college football game day environments. But the interactions that I've had with the fans here at BYU have been a huge blessing. They're going around after the games, our home games. Obviously, they rushed the field after our Utah win. But the energy and the excitement that they bring to our program and the support that they give us is, is I think, second to none. And that's a huge blessing. And I think it's, it bleeds down from our coach, uh, knowing that our coach believes in us and he's always letting everybody know that we're going to get the job done. So it helps when everybody out there in the stadium is always rooting for you. So I appreciate the Cougar Nation. Well, and uh, I think I speak for Cougar Nation when I say they appreciate you and uh, and what you've brought to this team and look forward to uh, to many, many more games with you in a BYU uniform. Puka, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes and good luck against Wazoo. Thank you. Go Cougs. All right, Riley, there's Puka Naku and Shep Talk with Jason Shepard. I'm going to make a bold prediction right here, Riley. Uh, you saw his breakout game last week. We've seen him continue to make steps throughout the season. I'm saying when it's all said and done, if Puka's here for two, maybe three years, he may be talked about as the all-time great at BYU at receiver. Ooh. The singular? Man, that is a tall task, but uh, I would love to be here along for the ride. He's a I mean, fu- Kozlowski, Colley, oh, Hoffman. Oh, I know. That is, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a while since BYU's seen – well, I, Cody Hoffman did this really well uh, as well, but a receiver that goes up and attacks the ball at the high point of the reception, and Puka does it better than a lot of guys I've ever seen. Yeah, and Puka's got, uh, as far as natural ability, I mean, Cody's biggest strength was – one, he had such a good feel for route running, uh, and then he was so strong, and, and in those competitive situations, it seems like he never lost – Puka's got a little bit of that same thing, but Puka's also, I think, you know, got flat out four three four four yes. speed, which which Cody didn't have too. So, uh, hey, if that happens, I'm here all for it. But I do know, like, because I, you know, as Austin was on his way to the pros, it was when I was coming back for my mission. And I know Austin's not going to give up that title lightly, and Cody. Anyway, Ben, that's uh, I, I but know. If, it ha- if he earns it, then he earns it, and I'm all for watching him earn it. Wait, wait, we're just here for the ride. That's all, Riley. That's right. Hey, coming up next, Riley puts his doctor's cap on and takes us inside the anatomy of a sack. It's Riley's QB read, and that's coming up next. You t- you're tuned in to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Alongside Riley Nelson, here's Ben Bagley. Welcome back to Cougar Pregame Live, presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And now it's time for your weekly feature that everybody looks forward to. It's the QB Read with Riley. Well, Ben, uh, one of the things that caught my mind 
or that caught my eye last week was uh, the sack numbers. And I hadn't really paid much attention to it uh, prior to the Baylor game because it hadn't happened much. Going into the Baylor game, so through six games, BYU had only given up. And keep in mind, I don't say the BYU offensive line. I say BYU as as an offensive unit uh, had only given up five sacks. But last week against Baylor, five sacks in that game alone so from game six to game seven they effectively doubled their sack total and we talked about it earlier there's been some injuries and keep in mind like a guy like James Empey he's he's out there playing but you know two weeks ago he got rolled up on probably I don't know that they don't release the details of it but just kind of my eyes and seeing football he probably had you know, a grade two, grade three MCL strain. And he's, so he's playing, you know, on a knee that's not 100%. And obviously Harris Lechance was missing last week. Joe Tukuafu was out. So that you have some of those things. But a sack is a lot more than just simply someone missing their block or the quarterback holding onto the ball too long. So I just kind of wanted to go through, as fans are watching the protection, they're watching quarterback play, all the things that go into uh, either preventing a sack or or points of failure that would end up resulting in a, in a sack. First and foremost, there has to be identification. Most often this is identification by the center and identification by the quarterback. And that means what front are they in? What are the safeties doing? What does the box look like? In other words, what, what front are we facing? And then you have to rely on that film study memory of what kind of pressures, what kind of stunts did they did they play out of this front? So that's first and foremost. Once you once you have your identification of what the front is, next comes you have to call the protection. So down and distance, uh, defensive formation, our play, right? Are we in quick game? Are we in play action? Are we in are, are we in drop back? What what is our play and what is the appropriate protection for any one play call in the huddle? There's there can be two to three different protections called at the line of scrimmage based on the front and the look that you get. Once the protection is called, then it's up to the center and the other four linemen or tight ends if the formation calls for it, if you have an attached tight end, and the running back. So there's no less than six or seven, sometimes eight guys involved in the next step, which is targeting. And that's essentially everybody is has an initial, has an initial assignment. So if it's a three-man slide, these you, you've got three men going to block three guys. Your, your two backside are one-on-one, and then the back has a responsibility and the tight end has a responsibility. So everybody's got to know that, okay, based on the look that we see pre-snap, if this holds, if we get the same look post-snap, everybody knows where they're going. Now that means that takes us up to the snap of the ball. Now once the ball is snapped, guys have to know their primary assignment and be able to adjust for stunts, blitzes, or changes or post-snap changes in fronts too. So you, you can see where it starts to get complicated and where it starts to get, uh, where guys have to be able to process really quickly and have to have the athleticism to uh, be able to react. After that, the, the now let's talk about post-snap. The single most important thing is pocket integrity. Everybody thinks about edge rushers, right? In the NFL, the edge rushers get the big, con, get the big contracts and all that, but really, if you've got a decent tackle that can cause his guy to, to run the rim or at least keep him at bay. The most important part of the topic, and people have talked about this is how you get to Don Brady for years, is that front push. If you've got a fast edge rusher and your tackle can just get a hand on him, you can run him wide, a quarterback can take his drop, step up into the pocket, and throw from a clean platform. If, the, if you lose pocket integrity, meaning that if, let's say, you've got 
a four-man slide to the right and the guard moves over too much and you got a stunt coming around. Now you got a guy coming right up the quarterback's face. It does two things. One, the shortest path to the quarterback is a straight line, so you want to come, you want to bring pressure up the middle. Uh, but two is even if he avoids the pressure, he's now in a crowded space. They call it being able to throw from a phone booth, and there's very few quarterbacks that can deliver consistently down the field when they're being pressured right in their face. The, the next element is the quarterback has to be able to get the ball out in a timely fashion, no, be able to process the, different, uh, process the look that the secondary is giving him, take the snap, complete his drop, and get the ball out in rhythm even if that's to a check down. You're not holding on to the ball. You're not patting the ball. You're not questioning your decisions. Uh, so it's got to be take your drop, go through your progression, and the ball's either got to come out or the second thing and probably the last element is you got to keep things positive as a quarterback. What I mean by that is even if you're dumping the ball off to running back for only two yards or it, there's let's say there's not a clear running lane but you're able to kind of tuck it, protect the ball, and get down you know, back to the line of scrimmage or one or two, You'll gladly take that over a sack, you know, that loses you six or seven yards of field position and puts you potentially behind the sticks. So there's all those different aspects that, and, and I didn't even mention that's all line of scrimmage play. I didn't even mention the receivers part that ha, that is played in avoiding sacks. But it, as I looked at the game last week against Baylor, there was a couple things that that were happening. One was uh, the pocket integrity. Baylor was they had very athletic dudes on the edge, but they were getting push. Uh, in the line of scrimmage, which th th we lost the pocket integrity. The second thing was, after some early pressure in the game, that this can happen to quarterbacks as your eyes come down. What that means is rather than looking at the defensive secondary, you get caught kind of out of the corner of your eye, or you even sometimes when it gets really bad, you get caught staring at the rush because you don't want to get hit, you don't want to fumble, you don't want to get sacked again. Um, and I saw that happening a little bit. There was a little bit of hesitancy, and balls were coming out a little bit late, I think because they were able to get uh, pressure early on in that game. Hopefully BYU is cleaned up. I know having Joe Tukuafu coming back is going to help. You know, James Empey's one more week towards uh, recovery from the injury that happened against Utah State. Uh, and, you know, Jaron got one more week back under his belt, back from his injury. So uh, can be that much more decisive and that much more efficient in getting the ball out. It, this uh, Washington State defense has 13 sacks on the year, so that's more than two a game and 42 tackles for loss. So they do pride themselves on playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. If that's something that BYU can neutralize today, I like their chances. Well, and I think there's no doubt uh, with most, much of our conversation throughout the pregame and throughout the week leading up to this game has been the focus on the offensive and defensive line. So the spotlight stri strictly shining on those two units. Coming up next, we'll visit with the voice. Greg Rebell joins us. Cougar Pregame Live continues next on the new skin BYU Sports Network. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Welcome back. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Joining us now is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell. And Greg, let's start right there with the headliners. The QB conversation when it comes to the Cougars, looks like they're going to have a full QB staff today. Yeah, it's been about a month, Ben, since BYU's been able to say that they'd go 1-2-3 Hall-Romney-Conover, but that will be the situation today. So Baylor-Romney last week was technically the three. He was dressed and warmed up, 
but Jacob would have been the true backup to Jaron Hall just last week. And so now with Hall good to go, Romney good to go, and Conover remaining where he was, you've got a 1-2-3 of Hall, Romney, and Conover today. So the news pretty good on the offense. They get an offensive lineman back, as Riley mentioned a moment ago. Joe Tukawafu returns. Uh, either he or Connor Pay will start at to right guard, but it could indeed be Tukawafu coming back and starting alongside center James Empey on the right side today. As for the right tackle, the area native Campbell Barrington from Spokane, not too far from here, is still slated to start at right tackle. Harris Lachance is not yet back from his injury, so Harris will have been out about a month before he gets back, as it turns out. So left to right across the offensive line, Blake Freeland, the brother of Campbell, the other area native, Clark Barrington at left guard, then Empey, uh, Pay or Tukuafu, maybe even Tukuafu at right guard, and then uh, Campbell Barrington at right tackle. Uh, offensively, other than that, pretty solid. Uh, you know, no injuries in the running in, in the backfield or wide receiver. Defensively, a different story. Uh, BYU down on defensive linemen and DBs a bit today. So uh, Caden Hawes and Lorenzo Fawatea unavailable on the defensive line. And the guy's been starting at safety uh, the last couple of weeks alongside Malik Moore. Ammon Hanneman is not available. Neither is George Udo. Uh, one of the best athletes on this BYU team, offense or defense, Udo not available either. So uh, scratch those two. Still no Keenan Ellis, of course, the season-opening concussion, a long-term injury for Keenan. You'll see a lot more of Jacob Robinson and Jacob Boren today. And BYU will be in a lot of nickel-and-dime situations. May not even be a day when, when Chaz Ayu plays this regular complement of snaps for as much 10 personnel, one running back, no tight ends as BYU expects to see today. And, yes, this is true. Even though Nick Rolovich is not here and Craig Stutzman's not calling the plays anymore, this is Rolo run and shoot. It's four wides. It's five wides. It's no tight ends. It's a lot of DBs on the field for BYU. Greg, uh, Ben mentioned it in Cougar Cuts there, and it, these clips were from earlier in the week, but you could sense a definite uh, intensity. Like Kalani's tired of talking about the same old issues of the past two weeks. Did you get that same sense just talking to him here today pregame? Yeah, it's, it's more along the lines of um, Kalani's always great in pregame, right? But but you, you got the sense that, yeah, I mean, back-to-back losses, it can't be three. Like, let, 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 let's get this thing turned around. And, and Kalani still believes that, you know, the full game, the full four-quarter game hasn't happened yet for BYU. And last year, I know it was a different schedule last year, but you could count on on scoring in every quarter pretty much every game. That's been a rarity for BYU this year. And that speaks to kind of the fits and starts and lack of continuity. If you score in every quarter, you're likely going to win the football game. And you don't have to score 14 or 21 in every quarter. Just score a little bit in every quarter, and you're going to be a winner most of the time. And In fact, uh, Kalani Sitake, since he's been the head coach, his teams, when they just score in every quarter, forget the number of points, they're 20-2 and two when they just score in every quarter with nine consecutive wins. But I think it's happened only one time this year in the first seven games. That kind of speaks to where Kalani's at in terms of, I want to see a full 60 because we haven't seen it quite yet. Greg, with all the stories that have been going around Washington State this week and the big question is, like, what's the mindset of this uh, Crimson Cougar team coming into this game with losing Nick Rolovich and half the staff this week, bringing in a couple of uh, uh, coaches midweek to kind of help fill some gaps. I've got a theory on this. I want to run it past you, and you can comment. Tell me, tell me I'm off base here or whatever. 
you almost feel like in, in Jade, Jaden Delore and a couple others on on social media have come out in support and speaking how them how well they're going to kind of circle the wagons on this team. You almost affect, expect Washington State to come out like a heavyweight boxing match and swinging for the knockout early. You know, it almost has the feel that BYU could come out, take a couple big shots early against them, but as long as they can survive that. By the time we get to halftime or third quarter, if BYU's got a lead, you might see Washington State with the with without the full cadre of uh, coaches, staff, with everything that's been going on, you might see them fold in the second half. Well, a couple of thoughts on that, Ben, and 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 two of them, are, one of them references BYU, and one of them references Washington State. And for BYU, we have to go back to last year. And I think maybe maybe even maybe even you and I discussed it this week in the office or not. I can't recall, but. You know, BYU had staff shakeups for two pretty big games last year. And how did BYU respond to those staff shakeups? Now, they were COVID absences, but a lot of coaches were absent for the game at Boise and the bowl game in Boca Raton. And BYU had two of its best games of the season last year, especially offensively, were rallying behind and responding to the absence of a lot of coaches who missed due to COVID restrictions last year. So BYU has the experience of having a shakeup, different situation, but similar in terms of personnel and responding really, really well. And then from the Wazoo standpoint, they hosted a game here uh, a few weeks ago with a team coming in that had just lost their head coach. USC made a game week change on the week of the Wazoo game. And after starting off a little bit haltingly, USC turned it on and drilled Wazoo here. So the Cougs have seen, the, the WSU Cougs have seen how a team can respond just this year. And BYU's already shown how it can respond to staff shakeup last season. So I think we can we can surmise that just because you're missing a few or a lot of coaches in key places doesn't mean the team falls apart. We have evidence to show that it's the contrary. Teams rally and respond and up their game when their backs are against the wall. Really odd stat for you here, Greg. This will be the first of the three games in the Final Five where BYU play teams that fire their coach in season. That's right. Georgia Southern and USC still to come, and they're operating on interim situations as well. That is very unique. Another unique aspect is the fact that this is our first time and BYU's first time ever to Martin Stadium. Uh, and and of, of, four, of four previous games, none of them play, have been played here. <laughs> the, the four previous meetings with Wazoo have been in San Diego and Provo, and that is it. So the first time the Cougars have come to Pullman. Greg, I expect a close game here today. Uh, going back to what you were talking about, so two things. Often it comes down to a big special teams play, and then you talk about scoring in every quarter. Uh, just because he's missed some games this season and I think has a chronic injury, do we expect Jake Goldroyd uh, to be able to help contributing in that scoring in every quarter objective? Yeah, I mean, whether or not he'll, um, uh, you know, how well he'll kick. I know that uh, we, had, we had a fist bump moment on the way out to the field, so he appears to be good to go. Um, and, and I think, you know, too, he, he's not been maybe as automatic the last few weeks, but I think it's something that he's going to be kind of working through game by game and week by week. And so hopefully he, you know, the back gets to a point where he can start swinging it uh, like his old self, not you know, not that he's been so off, but uh, I think after making 16 in a row, he may have missed two of his last three. Just try to get back on track a little Deeper bit. Deeper attempts, way. though, they were you know yeah. they were so it's not like he's missing cupcakes, Chip shots, but right. but yeah. even still, I just uh, with him in question a little bit going back to the availability. So yeah, and you. and uh, wind right now not much of a factor, and the rain which was forecast for later, Ben. Uh, we had a little bit of a mist a few moments ago. We, we were dotted with rain coming up from the field a few moments ago. So uh, cool, chilly, and maybe typical for those who've seen games in Pullman in uh, October and November in years past. Just as long as you miss the bomb 
cyclone, Greg. We don't want yeah, any we, of that we going. We were out on. of the path of the bomb cyclone, but I left the Bay Area pre-bomb cyclone, and it was wet enough, believe uh, me. Uh, I'm surprised you made it through that soccer game the other night. The, the, <laughs> the picture from Tom Homo, I'm like, poor Greg, someone just yeah. just pull the plug, get him out of there. I pulled some stuff out of the backpack uh, this morning, and some of it was still was still soggy, so it was that nice. kind of night. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, Greg, stay, stay dry and warm in the booth today on the call. Thanks, Ben. Good to be with you. Up next, we'll be joined by sideline reporter Mitch Mitchell Jurgens. Let's pause 10 seconds. Well, we don't need to do that right now. Let's just pause for a quick break. This is Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin BYU Sports Network. I'm a professional mom, and I mean business. Between helping the kids with school, coaching the soccer team, and everything else, I don't have time to mess around. Pro tip, BYU food to go. Let's get you back to Ben Bagley and Riley Nelson for more Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The BYU Cougars are getting ready to face the Washington State Cougars. I'm joined now by sideline reporter... And a guy who I know I said earlier, and we didn't mention his name. I should have mentioned it earlier. When I said Puka Nakua's got the chance to eventually be, if not the one of the all-time greats in receiving at BYU, first he's got to overcome the great, the one and only Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch, how are you? <laughs> hey, I'm doing good. That's uh, quite the compliment, Ben. <laughs> too nice. Hey, I mean it, too. I mean it. Hey, let's look at this game. Should BYU be ready for a high-energy Washington State team out of the gates coming off of all the dysfunction of this week and losing a head coach and half the staff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and if they're not, I think, I think they've thrown away a week of preparation, right? Um, you know, with everything that's happened, you mentioned that, you know, this week for Wazoo, um, you know these guys are going to come out with a chip on their shoulder, play with some newfound emotion that they probably wouldn't have if events this week didn't happen for them. Um, and, and on top of that, I, I mean, coming into this game, it looks like Washington State may even sense some vulnerability uh, with BYU after their two straight losses. You know, Washington State's coming in hot after three straight wins. And so um, almost like, a, you know, hungry predator um, looking for kind of the weaker vulnerable prey that's I, I guarantee you that's Washington State's mindset um, so what BYU needs to prove today is that they're not that weak or vulnerable vulnerable opponent and can shock Wazoo with a strong aggressive start to get back on track with a win um, so yes BYU needs to be ready for a high energy high energy Washington State team out of the gates today because um, I'm pretty confident they're going to come out that way. You mentioned vulnerability with the BYU Cougars, and one thing where the spotlight's been shining all week long is on the offensive and defensive lines especially, and that spotlight being shined there by uh, the head coach Kalani Sataki. So let me ask you this. Who needs the bigger bounce-back game today? And we just heard from Greg, the defensive line's still going to be down a bunch of guys. Um, the offensive line's getting Joe Tukuafu back, but still no Harris LeChance. Which side of the ball needs that bigger bounce back, the BYU offensive or the BYU defensive line? Yeah, my opinion, um, got to go with the defensive line. You know, you can't give up 300-plus yards on the ground and, and not feel like a bounce back is necessary uh, from last week at Baylor. Um, now, Washington State isn't a team who's, who's going to pound the ball down your throats, or at least they shouldn't be as their offensive line plays, you know, with those wide splits, uh, no tight end, no fullback. It's going to be a one-back heavy um, you know, uh, set up and personnel for Washington State. So they shouldn't go out and, uh, you know, obviously they, they shouldn't put up 300 yards. They shouldn't put up 200 on the ground because that's just 
not the Washington State way. Um, but there's there's a lot that the defensive line can do to um, improve, even if it looks like they're going to improve on the stat sheet because they're not going to give up that much yardage. Um, in my opinion, what they need to do today is is each of them needs to just do their specific job, right? Um, after a week like that, um, you, you feel like, man, there's so much more I need to do personally. Um, but to to bounce back from a week like last week and the past couple weeks, um, everyone needs to do their job, not try and do too much. And I think if you focus on those little things, um, then you're going to put yourself in a better position to dominate the line of scrimmage like they have before in the first couple weeks. They just need to get back in the basics. Well, you talk about that. A lot of that saying, Kalani Sataki, it's interesting because we went from in this season, I remember one of the most telling parts of the season, we're sitting in the booth post game of uh, the win over Utah, and we're listening to the post-game comments from Kyle Whittingham, and he said, I would have bet my house that I would have, wouldn't have ever seen BYU out physical Utah, but we did. Yep. We saw that tonight to what we've seen the last two weeks where the BYU offensive and defensive fronts are getting out physical and pushed around by Boise State and Baylor. So that said, Washington State, another P5 team today. What does BYU need to do along both fronts to be the more physical of the two teams? I mean, how will we tell early that they're actually getting the job physically done? Yeah, and for me, Ben, it's all mentality. Um, you know, if you want to be physical, you can be. It's uh, To be physical is a choice. Um, it comes down to desire. And, and for these BYU players, they need to find, you know, for me, as, as, as I go back, as when I was a player, it was find my why, right? Why am I playing this game? Why am I coming out? Um, and and giving my all, giving my best in this performance. Um, and so they need to find that why and hold on to it, remember it for the game. Um, because like I mentioned before, physicality is a choice. Um, and on top of that, and you, you alluded to this in your question, right? How do you, you know, or how can we tell if they're doing it early? Um, they have to do it early. Um, if you get popped first and you're not ready for it, it's a lot harder to get back on track after that. Um, so from the first snap of the game, they need to have that mindset to be physical. You can't wait for somebody else to make a play or deliver a, a big hit to then feel like, okay, now it's my turn to be physical, right? Come out. Every single player needs to have that mentality. Um, and, and then finally, just let loose. Have fun. Play the game. When, when you see guys a little bit too tight or tense, like, we're coming off two losses. We've got to fix this. Um, they just need to let loose, let their preparation take over and uh, have fun out there. And and I think we'll see the physicality uh, from the start of the game. Jokes aside from the first part of this segment, Mitch, as a former wide receiver, what did you see or what are you seeing from Puka Nakua that's special? Yeah, honestly, it, when I say everything, I mean, it, everything about his performance has been um, just eye-opening and impressive to watch. Um, I, I talked a little bit about this in the postgame last week, uh, but to me, Puka's checking three boxes that not all receivers can check, um, and that's speed, size, and then just the natural receiver and ability um, to make plays. Um, you know, these things, uh, a lot of these things you can't teach. And I'm, I'm convinced personally that Puka was born to be a receiver. And quite frankly, I mean, he has that graspable future ahead of him beyond college football. Um, but one of the other things that I just love about Puka is the energy he brings and the energy he plays with. Um, you see it after, you know, his big catches. He starts banging his helmet. I mean, he's just, he's, he's in the moment. He's locked into the game. 
team, um, but people can feed off of that energy. Um, going back to my playing days, I played with his brother Kainakua, and I'm convinced it's the Nakua way to play with that kind of energy. <laughs> people feed off of it. Um, you see it with Samson. Samson gets hyped, and and so that's something that Nakua or Puka specifically brings to this team, where I mean he's emerging as a leader because of that energy and his obviously his ability to make plays. Um, and so everything that Puka's doing is just impressive. Can't wait to see what he does week after week because every week he's getting better. I've had a few people reach out to me during the last couple of weeks worried that if Puka doesn't stop with the head slaps at the end of <laughs> plays that he's going to put himself into concussion protocol. Hey, I'm so dead serious. Like there were some times you make a big play and – uh, for me, I, you know, I love uh, Taron Houck. He was one of my favorite players to play alongside. Uh, but he was kind of that emotional player. He'd come in and, and he'd slap me on the helmet. I'm like, dude, you got to stop doing that. <laughs> when he hits, sometimes he hit it so hard. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm starting to see stars because you're just hitting me in the head so hard. So I agree. He's got to take, take it down a notch because we need him for the, the, the longevity of this season. Let, let's, let's finish up here, Mitch. The quarterback situation. Good news from Greg Rubel last segment. BYU's got each one of the three QBs in order as they started the season with Baylor healthy and and backing up Jaron Hall. Jaron's getting more healthy coming back from that rib injury. Do you expect with the full full battery of QBs and Jaron just a little bit more healthy, do you expect that, that he'll be more apt to use, and not just he, but the play calling will also reflect uh, Jaron using his feet a little bit more today? Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think it needs to be, right? We, we've seen in the first three weeks Jaron used his legs, used his arm, and it led us to three victories, right? The last two weeks he's been more of a one-dimensional quarterback, um, and, uh, I mean, you're not going to put all those losses on Jaron at all. I mean, there's other things that play into it, but it, it didn't help us get some wins, and so I think you have to come into this game um, looking at Jaron as you've got, you know, you've got uh, your backups healthy, utilize Jaron the way that he's supposed to be utilized and we all seen it right Jaron Hall is at his best when he uses his legs Um, it opens up passing lanes it it takes a lot of pressure off of Tyler Algier in the run game and so there's a lot that comes with letting Jaron you know open up the playbook let him um, pick up those key third downs um, with his legs to sustain drives keep the defense off the field Um, and so I I think you're going to have to I think we'll see it today and I'm excited to see it because uh, you know I want to see Jaron run around like Jaron can do uh, because it's it's a special talent that he has well there you go Mitch thank you and looking forward to letting Jaron cook today hey I love it I'm, I'm excited so thanks Ben this has been fun and uh go Cougs go, go Cougs. BYU Cougs the, the go, yeah yes make sure we differentiate today <laughs> on the other side Jason Shepard t- with, uh, talks with Washington State interim head coach Jake Dickard that's next on Cougar pregame live on the new skin BYU sports network You're tuned to Cougar Pregame Live on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Now back to your host, Ben Bagley. Cougar Pregame Live is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We're getting you ready for BYU-Washington State. Earlier this week, Jason Shepard caught up with Wazoo defensive coordinator and now interim head coach, Jake Dickert. on how have the players handled things heading into this game well I think there's been a transition as we've gone throughout the week and I think as every day passes it's another day uh, towards a new normal and 
at the end of the day, at, at the root of all of our players, they love the game and they love each other and they want to play for each other. And I think as every day has gone past, um, you know, you can see the effort, the energy coming back in their faces, having a little fun, celebrating together. So uh, just exciting uh, as, as we've gone through this week of where we're at right now. You guys are on a three-game winning streak to begin with, so I assume you head into this week with a uh, an attitude of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a confidence level on both sides of the ball. You know, I think offense has is, is really sparked the last couple of weeks and, and really have had some explosive plays and exciting to see those guys fly around and, and really do what they're they're doing and what they're capable of. And I think defensively, you know, all season we've proven to be pretty timely, made some timely plays with some takeaways and and play extremely hard. So peaking at the right time, you know, I think that's that's what we're looking at and, and looking forward to trying to continue that. When we talk about the three-game winning streak, and, and you hit on a couple of things, when you look back, everything that has gone into these victories, what stands out in terms of what you're seeing on the field that that really is something you like, you know what, this is something we can really build on moving forward? Well, I think there are three team wins, you know, and they're, they've been done in all sorts of different ways. But I think the pillar of it has been the play of uh, Jaden Delora. You know, I think his steadying steady force, his playmaking ability, and then the players just really rallying around him. You know, he's really matured a lot in the last year, um, had a lot on his shoulders as a true freshman uh, during a COVID season last season. So I think he's been the number one driver of the change. And, you know, it's just fun for me. Football is, is one of life's greatest teachers, you know, so to see that young man make mistakes, but mature and grow and to see what he's having the success like he is on the field. So he's number one. Um, and then defensively, just staying the course and, and making some plays and, and setting offense up and, and doing just enough to get, get three wins. You know, in terms of your quarterback, and I, I think this, I think it's any situation, but it's funny to me that, uh, even taking out statistics, whatever the quarterback does statistically, if his teammates buy into him as a leader, it's amazing what can happen, isn't it? It's the number one thing. You know, there's playmaking abilities and there's making throws, but his leadership is looking people in the eye. It's a steady, a steady force in the huddle. I mean, there's so much to that position. And we all know if you don't have one, it's hard to win games, especially at this level, you know, so we feel like we have one and we're excited about what Jaden is going to continue to do uh, well into his future. So you're going to go ahead and remain the defensive coordinator on top of the head coaching duties. How would you describe how the defense is playing heading into the BYU game? Uh, gritty. You know, I think, you know, we've talked about a lot of defense, you know, when you get seven games in, you know, you are who you'll put on tape. And I think we've, we've proven our, you know, our mantra uh, is play hard, play fast, play together. Uh, a lot of things that, you know, we can't control. And I think that's what you see on tape. We're not the biggest. We're not the fastest. We're not the strongest. But, man, we have big hearts and, and we love what we do. And we fly around and have made some really good plays this season. You know, and it's not always perfect. A lot of things to clean up. But that's definitely our calling card and something, something we have to continue to hang our hat on. What are your thoughts on this BYU team coming into, uh, into Pullman? Well, I think, you know, BYU has, has been known for being physical at the line of scrimmage. You know, and I think that's what you see. Um, yet on offense, very explosive down the field. And, you know, it's going to be a, a tough challenge. Uh, but, you know, on both sides of the ball, we want to establish the run, right, so we can get everybody up to, to work the pass. And then on defense, it still starts with stopping the run. And then we got to survive some of the explosive plays. So we got a good football team coming to town. We know the fight. We know the passion. We know the culture. 
uh, of BYU, and and we're going to get their best, and and hopefully our, our guys are ready to to give theirs ours. Cougars have lost two in a row after starting five and zero. How do you think your guys will handle facing a team that comes in probably feeling desperate to avoid losing three games in a row? To be honest, I I think our our mindset we don't focus on any of those things. Those are outside. Those are things that we can't control. It's it's one and zero. Uh, I'm a big believer. You bring a new team to the field every week, right? When your team is made up of 18 to 23-year-old young men, you never know how they're going to think, act, and respond week to week. You know, so it's always a one-and-all mindset. You know, we control what we control. And I believe, you know, that's the right way to just attack every week. And, you know, every record zero and zero as we come into this competition. And, and those are things that we don't even talk about, quite honestly, as a program. We know we're going to get BYU's best. We know they're a physical football team. We know they're a good football team. And that's what we expect to see on Saturday. Coach, I know this has been a very, very busy week and a lot of things going on. Cannot thank you enough for taking a few minutes. Really do appreciate it. Thanks again. Anytime. Coming up next, it's the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show with Greg Rebell and Kalani Sataki. You're listening to BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Cougar pregame live was brought to you by Mountain America Credit Union. Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Also by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. This is BYU Football on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. It's time to preview today's matchup with head coach Kalani Sataki. It's the Cougar Pregame Coaches Show, presented by Zions Bank. For banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. Also brought to you by Big O Tires. Stop by a local Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Let's join Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Good afternoon, Cougar football fans. And for the first time in BYU football history, welcome inside Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington for a clash of the Cougars as BYU battles Washington State. Fifth meeting all time between these two teams, but the first ever meeting on Wazoo's home field. Of the four previous get-togethers, one was in the Holiday Bowl, while the other three were played in Provo. My name is Greg Rubello. Privileged to be your play-by-play presenter this afternoon, sitting alongside the sling and scrambling southpaw, the former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson. And Riley, last time BYU and Washington State met on the gridiron, you started the game at quarterback for BYU, and two touchdown passes later from you, you led the Cougs in blue to a 30-6 win over Wazoo in the first game of the Mike Leach era. That was a game where the offense came out. We scored 24 points in the first half, and then the defense took a hold of the game in the second half, so it was a total, and we had a couple big special teams plays. It was a complete team effort in all three phases, and I think even though that game happened nine years ago, the same recipe for success needs to be on display here today if the BYU Cougars are going to come away with a win against the Wazoo Cougars. So nine years later, just in time for BYU's visit, there's a new coach in charge for Wazoo, defensive coordinator. Coordinator Jake Dickert taking over as acting head coach, replacing Nick Rolovich, who was let go along with four of his assistants earlier this week for failure to comply with Washington State's vaccine mandate. Washington State is a team in turmoil. Can, be, can BYU take advantage? Coming up next, we'll get BYU head coach Kalani Sitake's thoughts on that question and how BYU's experience with staff uncertainty last season uh, might hint at how Waz, uh, Wazoo could respond here today. We'll hear from Kalani coming up next. 
As the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show continues for banking that helps you game plan for life, Zions Bank is for you. We're back after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar pregame coaches show continues. Once again, here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Coming to you live from Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington. On a cool, wet weekend in the Inland Empire. 5-2, BYU visiting 4-3, Washington State. The Cougs from Provo trying to avoid a three-game losing skid, while the Cougs from the Palouse seek to extend their three-game win streak. Wazoo will attempt to win a fourth game in a row without the head coach and offensive play caller that led the Crimson Cougs to each of the last three wins. Nick Rolovich and four of his assistants out, and the school scrambled to find enough hands on deck to prepare for this game. BYU head coach Kalani Sitake understands the nature of the challenge because last season, BYU was down multiple coaches for multiple games due to COVID-related absences, something he referenced and talked about the response of in our pregame conversation a short time ago outside the BYU locker room. So anytime you have adversity and the guys, especially team, the players, they bond together and they play for each other. And so I know they're going through some adversity right now and, and, and they're they're struggling. And, and uh, the best way to, to handle it is get back on the field and play football. And uh, I think it's a good setting for them, for them to play hard. And there's a lot of people that are that are they're banking on them playing hard for each other as uh, and, and bonding and having this thing work for well for them. But it's not like we're without adversity, too. So we're having some issues and and uh, we're. On a, on a little bit of, a, of a, a losing streak right now and guys want to get out of it and so I think they're they're trying to find ways to bond together as a team so we'll, uh, it's testing our, our, our culture but I, I like the response that our players are giving and uh, the effort's been there the entire time so looking forward to the matchup it should be good we're, we're expecting their best and I know we'll get it today and then I you know I'm I'm uh, hoping but I'm also planning that we'll, we'll see our best as well it will still look and feel like a Nick Rolovich offense wouldn't you think yeah same system I mean I mean, it's they're going to they're gonna stick with the run and shoot system. Um, they don't have a tight end on, on on the roster, so I don't think all of a sudden a tight end will show up. But you never know, you know. So uh, this is one of those moments where they can do whatever they want on offense too, and um, you know, trick plays, stuff like that. There's all these gadgets that they may do, and defensively, I think they're going to stick to what they have. Um, but the, the you know, uh, Rolo is not here, but the the Brian Smith is a call. He'll call the plays, and he's very similar. I mean, they've all been together for. For a long time, and uh, the defense won't be uh, changed at all. So uh, I, I'm, a, we're we're assuming we're going to get the same look, but we're also knowing that the that this the change up in the staff and new people, and the energy they'll probably try to do some things that are a little unique and different than what they've done the, the prior uh, first half of the season. Last week, uh, once Baylor got the ground game going, they really stuck with it. You wouldn't think that would be something Washington State would turn to. They really like the pass more than the run. Yeah, I mean that's what they favor the most. So we'll see. But they have the capability. They have a physical line, and they have a, a, a group of running backs that can run the ball, starting off with Borgie. So uh, if they want to go that route, they definitely can. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I think for us, the defense, we got to try to find a way to make them a little bit more predictable and make them a little bit more uh, one-sided. If we can do that, whether it's take away the pass or take away the run, I think we'll have better success. Wazoo's defense thrives on takeaways. Yeah, they do. And they, and they find a opportunity wherever they can. And uh, But... A lot of that's due to the fact that their assignment sound. 
uh, and they played with great effort. So uh, defensively, we're going to have to figure out ways to help our offense get the ball back to them and get off the field, and that usually means create uh, havoc and create some turnovers. Okay. What kind of week of practice was it for your boys? It was really good. I mean, I haven't complained about the, the practice and the prep the entire season. They've been they've been uh, they've had the right uh, mentality and the right approach. And going into this game, I'm anticipating that they, you know we're a little bit healthier as a team, and um, you know this week than we were the last two weeks, and so we're hoping that helps out. But I know that that can help out with your psyche and with your confidence, and so I'm hoping to see it from the top, and that's really from the leaders on down. And I think they'll I think it'll, it'll be a different team than what we've seen the last two weeks. How's your quarterback depth today? Good. We're good to go with Jaron and uh, Baylor's back full strength. It's a backup, and, and Jacob is a third. So it's good to have those guys at full strength, ready to roll. And you get an offensive lineman back with uh, Joe Tukawafu's return. Harris Lachance not quite ready. Yeah, Harris didn't make the trip, but he did practice this week. It just wasn't not cleared, and, and uh, I think if he wanted to, he could go uh, and push it. But we feel like Campbell Barrington is going to give us the best look right now, being 100. percent You got a couple of well, you got really three Spokane players coming home. You got both Barringtons and Ryan Rico playing back in their old stomping grounds, more yeah. more or less. Yeah, looking forward to see those guys uh, do do uh, do their thing, and I know they're excited to be in front of their home crowd. I mean, there's a lot of, I think most of the tickets went to those guys, you know, and <laughs> hoping to see the, the, the Barringtons on the field a lot and in the end zone and hoping to see Rico holding holding for our PATs more than anything. Okay, uh, weather's here. Look, looks like it might hold off for you today. Yeah, I mean, this is what we expected anyways, and so I, I think uh, this, this is uh, kind of close to what we're used to at home a little bit, so it'll be a lot of fun. Feels like fall football weather in a lot of ways. Yeah, the the leaves and the grass are changing color, and it's it's. We know we're we're past the first half of the season. I think there's a sense of urgency from our players to to get things back on track. All right, Kalani, good to speak with you. Thank you for the preview. Good luck against Wazoo. We'll talk to you post game. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. That is BYU head coach Kalani Sitake. This has been the Zions Bank Cougar pregame coaches show for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. The Cougar kickoff show coming up next on the New Skin BYU Sports Network. Kickoff is just around the corner. You're tuned to the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show. The BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The Cougar Kickoff Show is also brought to you by Bailey's Moving. We move with you every step of the way since 1952. Also by BYU Creamery, the classic BYU tradition. Have a scoop today. Let's head live to the Built Bar broadcast booth alongside Riley Nelson. Here's the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Saturday afternoon once again, Cougar Nation. Welcome back inside Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington. This 33,000-seat venue today hosting BYU and Washington State. The team from Provo playing the team from the Palouse. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show brought to you by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Greg Grubel and Riley Nelson coming to you from our Built Bar broadcast booth. Former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Juergens reporting for us from field level and in the Zions Bank end zone. Great to have you with us on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Well, it was a September to remember for BYU. Cougars beat three P5 programs then started the month of October with a victory that got the Cougs to 5-0. But a rash of injuries, an unforeseen wave of turnovers, and a resurgent future Big 12 rival in Baylor have all contributed to a two-game losing streak, and it's been different things in each of the last two losses. Unable to hang on to the ball against Boise State, Riley, and unable to get off the field or stop the run at Baylor. The first five games, the BYU football team found 
different ways in each of those five to win games. The last two weeks, unfortunately, they've found a couple of different ways to lose games. Hopefully they can break that streak, get back to their competitive ways of seeking uh, a, a unique way today to come away with a win as opposed to giving up, uh, chalking up another one in the loss column. The BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show continues after we remind you to stop by your locally owned and operated Big O Tires for the lowest price on every tire, plus no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We'll have more of the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show live from Pullman after this on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. The Cougar Kickoff Show continues. Let's head back to the Built Bar broadcast booth with Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. BYU and Wazoo kicking it off just after the bottom of the hour here in Pullman. BYU playing for its first matinee win of the season. Cougs are 0-2 in daytime contest this year, a 5-0 at nighttime. All right, uh, Jaron Hall's strong start to the season, undone by the upper body injury he suffered against ASU. Baylor Romney, impressive stint in relief of Hall, short-circuited by an injury against USU. Jacob Conover had a cameo over. Hall was back in the starter's saddle for the last two games while Romney was unavailable. Well, now Baylor's back as Hall's back up, and Riley Nelson, the Cougs can uh, gear up for the stretch run, at least for the time being, with more or less full strength at quarterback. We've said this multiple times, Greg, as much as we'd like to not have to use it, history has taught us that we may need to rely on that quarterback depth it is depth it is great to have the full contingent of quarterbacks for BYU today but I expect Jaron Hall to take an incremental improvement in his third back in his third game back from injury and help this Cougar offense be even more productive than it has been thus far time now for today's Hyatt Place comfort zone feature at Hyatt Place Provo your safety and comfort will always be our highest priority and BYU is really comfortable when throwing to Puka Nakua after missing the season opener while recovering from a training camp injury, Puka has been lighting it up down the field. He is third nationally in yards per catch at better than 22 yards per reception, and he's fourth nationally in most catches of 40 yards or longer. We're back with more of the BYU Store. Cougar kickoff show live from Martin Stadium in Pullman on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. Getting you geared up for game time. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Now back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Coming up, it is five and two. BYU visiting four and three. Washington State a chance for BYU to get uh, get right after back-to-back losses and after allowing more than 300 yards on the ground at Baylor. It's a different kind of challenge today because Wazoo is a pass-first program. They're a single-back, four-wide team with a QB who can really sling it. His name is Jaden Delara, and he leads the Pac-12 in TD passes with 15. When Wazoo does run it, the Pullman Cougars have a nice number one option in Max Borgie, but whether it's a ground-heavy attack like Baylor's, Riley, or an aerial assault like Wazoo's, BYU's defense has been spending arguably too much time on the field. If there's one thing BYU's offense needs, it's more snaps. And that is a team effort in producing that, Greg. The defense needs to be able to limit their other team's drives, and the offense needs to be able to sustain drives. We've seen far more three and outs than our ideal in the last couple of weeks. Need to stop that trend here today. 
All right, coming up down to field level, and we'll hear from Mitchell Juergens after we tell you that mouth-watering Hawaiian-style food is just minutes away from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. For fresh off the grilled chicken, teriyaki steak, and sizzling shrimp, Coconut Island Grill has the island flavors your mouth has been waiting for. Text the word COCONUT to 61090 for its free drink with your next meal. That's the word COCONUT, but with two Ks. So K-O-K-O-N-U-T, COCONUT to 61090. 61090. The word is coconut with two Ks. The BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show continues after this from Pullman on the new skin, BYU Sports Network. This is the Cougar Kickoff Show. Let's get back to Riley Nelson and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. Zoo for you as BYU seeks to snap a two-game skid. Washington State has won three straight, defeating Cal, Oregon State, and Stanford in back-to-back-to-back weeks. The Crimson Cougs take a break from Pac-12 play today before visiting Arizona State next week. BYU heads home to host Virginia next week in Bronco Mendenhall's return to LaBelle Edwards Stadium, underscoring the importance of getting a victory today to right the ship and pick up a sixth win that ensures bowl eligibility. And Riley, with that sixth win, whether or not it comes today, BYU's headed to the Independence Bowl. The only way BYU could alter its postseason destination would be to win out, then hope for multiple other teams to lose once or twice and create kind of a mishmash out of the New Year's Six mix, but that's a long shot. It's one of the reasons that uh, the Big 12 will be a, a welcome change. A chance to play for a conference crown and an auto NY6 bid changes everything, really. Just look at where a two-loss Utah team is today compared to where a two-loss BYU team is today relative to the postseason. The complexion of your season is still taking shape here in Game 8 with significant challenges in Virginia. And look, USC looming at the edge of the schedule. I know they've got their struggles, but you need to right the ship in the in the middle of a two-game losing streak. Sorry, in the middle of the season on a two-game losing streak. No better time than the present to get right and finish the season strong to set yourself up for any, uh, any of those positive postseason uh, options. Sit down to field level and former BYU wide receiver Mitchell Jurgens. Mitch reporting from the Zions Bank end zone for banking that helps you game plan for life. Zions Bank is for you. And Mitch, I do think today's game is huge. Without a win, BYU could be looking at the possibility of seeing a 5-0 start turn to 5-4. Wazoo is a team with a lot on its plate today mentally and emotionally. But BYU cannot overlook a team that could be kind of extra fired up with something to prove. Mitch. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. You know, this is a huge game for BYU to crush any momentum, energy, or emotion that Wazoo will, will be playing with today. Snapping losing streaks is hard to do, so if BYU is not mindful of that, you're exactly right that a, that 5-0 start could turn to 5-4 with a tough matchup on the horizon against Virginia next week. Um, what I want to see personally today from BYU is not only a fast and physical start, but for BYU to display that physicality throughout the entirety of this game. BYU is let to, yet to play a complete football game and with the emotions and energy Wazoo will play with today, uh, today is a perfect game for a complete game by BYU. Um, and, and lastly, the defense needs to do a better job at getting off the field and, and give the ball back to the offense. If BYU can run as many or more plays today than Wazoo, I think they put themselves in a good position to come out victorious. Mitch, thank you. Coming up next, Riley Nelson's keys to the game, the coin toss and the opening kick. This has been the BYU Store Cougar Kickoff Show, live from Pullman, Washington, on the new skin, BYU Sports Network.